everyone and welcome to another exciting episode of a battle of the atom this is your weekly x-men podcast where we rank every story whether it's naughty or nice i'm zach and with me this week is a special friend uh she's here to help us celebrate christy miss it's christy edelman christy how you doing today uh hi zach i'm doing great i am excited to be here you should be. It's an exciting place to be. And we are excited to have you here, Christy. I know we've been uh, wanting to have you on for a little bit, just haven't uh, found the perfect time until now. It is the perfect time because there's a holiday celebrating me, as you know, mm-hmm. Christy. Mm-hmm. That's what that's, it's about. Yes, we, we celebrate <laughs> Christy's birthday. Uh, it is a December birthday, correct? Unlike it that other guy. December 27th, so... Yeah, it is definitely a holiday, completely meant to celebrate me. Uh, I have lived most of my life upstaged uh, by somebody whose birthday is not actually in December, so I think it's time that this episode corrects that. I, I think it is, and we're going <laughs> to celebrate that uh, in the best way possible, which on this show is by talking about Generation X. Uh, this is not a Patreon-supported episode. This is a, I guess... Julian calendar supported episode. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I, it, it's fun. A very festive set of stories we have. All, I don't think they mention me at all, but <laughs> they don't. They don't. They do miss. They do mention this thing called Christmas a ton. Yeah. Uh, there's there's a large man in a red suit in one of these stories, and some smaller, more petite people in different red suits, in a lot of them. <laughs> yes. Uh. So let's start with the first one. This is uh not the first Generation X holiday special because I think we covered that last year. Yep. Uh, this is Generation X number twenty four, Home for the Holidays. It's written by professional comic book writer Scott Lobdell, uh, with pencils by Rick Leonardi and Mitch Bird. Uh, Bud De La Rosa, or just, not De, just regular La Rosa, and Jason Martin do inks, and Electric Crown's Steve Buclero does the colors. Uh, Christy, mm-hmm. are you, are, are, are you a big Gen X person? Um, I wish I could say that I really was, but I haven't been able to get my hands on a lot of the issues. So, I am familiar, generally, with the storyline, and I have read some of it, um, but, no, I wouldn't say that I'm an expert. Well, then, number one, how dare you? <laughs> uh, because Generation X is beautiful and precious, and I love those kids. And I'm so glad they're all alive now, living on their great mutant island. I will tell you that after reading these, uh, I have already sent uh, my husband, who I, I guess reader or the listeners of the show may also know, Chris Edelman, uh, on some hunts through our some of our local comic shops and let me tell you it is slim pickings for generation x i went through over 200 long boxes this last weekend and the only generation x related stuff i remember seeing was uh 
the Age of Apocalypse tie-ins, which are very good, very high on this list. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I have I have this stuff in floppies, but it's it's hard to come across. Yeah, yeah. So which, I, which is a shame. Yeah, because it's got stories like this, and this story's interesting because of how really quiet it is. Uh, this is Emma Frost, who mm-hmm. people on the show should know. <laughs> Big fans love love us some Emma. Yes, uh, and she takes the she takes the ladies of Generation X. That's Husk, Jubilee, and Monet Saint Croix, uh, to her villa in I don't know. I think like the Monaco, Alps or something. right? Monaco. Yeah, it's Monet's right. home it's, in and, Monaco. Yeah. That's right. I forgot which rich lady's house it was. <laughs> oh. uh, and they just they just kind of sit around and tell stories to each other. Yeah, that's all. Yeah. Um I don't remember who it was suggested that like hey we're a team we should we should be able to tell each other everything. I'll go that, first. It's 100% <laughs> Jubilee. That's either Jubilee or Paige. Yeah, I that's, think it was it, I think it was Jubilee. Yep. That sounds right cuz what this ends up being is a very interesting look at these four characters who are, you know, pretty different. There's some similarities there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's a there's an upper class lower class divide between M and Emma and Jubilee and Husk. Yes, but it's it's odd. So let's let's talk about the bit a bit of the stories. Uh, Jubilee's, as we all know, is a mall rat. And yes, hers hers takes place uh, in a mall. Of course, uh, it, it it's it's perfect. Uh, her and um, Sinjen are of course up to no good. And I love that Jubilee's powers manifest with being confronted by the police after getting in trouble at the mall. It's pretty perfect. Uh, uh, what's what's definitely perfect in this is the incredible 90s dialogue. Uh, oh, my goodness. Yes. Okay. I'm finding it right now. I'm finding it right now. Uh, the dialogue is so good. Jubilee says, my first time my power kinetic powers manifested mom and dad were mucho busy very hush hush that left me and sinjin cynthia jennifer lots of time to get in trouble mostly at the mall du jour wasn't proud about what we did but i was proud about how we did it we were clockwork on ice so easy it was boring until that day i forgot if i zigged when i should have zagged or zagged instead of zigged oh, it's it's great i mean it's perfectly her voice to me uh reading through that and it's 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 a lot of fun it doesn't feel very christmasy but it's a lot of fun it doesn't and that's uh that's one of the interesting things about this this is a special where they are there in monaco to celebrate christmas Mm -hmm. but there's there's not a ton christmasy about it instead it's this quiet moment where everyone is celebrating or really just sharing their friendship with each other. You get a moment of M talking about, you know, how she was really pampered when they found out that she had powers and how that caused this relationship issue with her brother Marius, who uh, is M-plate and is a whole deal. We've talked about him before. He's a vampire. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, M's uh, origin that she shares, I love how the art is done with that because it, paints it as this storybook fairy tale origin that doesn't really ring as true, which I, mm-hmm. I, I, I love how the art just even suggests that even if you weren't looking at the, the 
picturesque um, narration that goes along with it. <laughs> they they do a really good job setting up that dichotomy there. Mm-hmm. You get you get a little bit of that with the story with Husk, who you know she's a Cannonball's sister, and she mm-hmm. just really wanted to be an X Men. She just wanted to be a good X Men kid. <laughs> Yes. She kept trying how to use her powers and was real excited when she found out that her skin falls off. <laughs> yep. She didn't really knew, know what her power did, but she's like, my skin falling off, that's got to be a mutant thing. I'm in. <laughs> where, I, where I think this story takes a turn from, you know, kind of fun and fluffy mm-hmm. to deeply interesting is the impact that this has on Emma. Yes. Yeah, that I mean, was... That was very unsettling to read her retelling of her origin. It And this is this is really some of the first bits of Emma's origin that we ever get. So we've we've always seen her like we've always seen her as the white queen, this mm-hmm. strong woman of the Hellfire Club who, you know, dominates men. Right. Right. And, and this definitely if you didn't have it would give you a ton of emma sympathy like it just i is it just me or does it the story really implies that she was taken advantage of by the guards at the insane asylum where she is placed as a child yeah uh it does which is not good and frankly something that i it's it's deeply uncomfortable yes unfortunately realistic but Mm -hmm. deeply uncomfortable but it does give it does give a you know harsh edge to Emma that you know her her family threw her in there instead of dealing with her, right? And she decides through all that hardship to say it. You, you see how she becomes hardened, where she mm-hmm. has lost her relationships to everyone, and says, "No, I'm going to be this person. I'm going to look out for me." And I, like she burns the place down by the end of it. It's a lot. Yes, uh, <laughs> and. You, I don't. You definitely feel like she's justified in all of it. At least I oh, do. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. No. Emma. Emma probably made a good choice there. Uh, but what I love about this is, you know, Emma's willing to open up to these girls for the first time, mm-hmm. and you you get to see a real true bond form between them, and it's something special, and it's something that I think is really what blooms into the Emma Frost that we love today, where she's, you know, she's got this brutal heart. She loves so strongly on some things, but she will not let very many people get close to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, as a, as a teacher, you can always tell if you are, like, in with me as a student, if, if you've ever, like, heard me tell a personal story about my life that isn't just, like, the spiel I give on the first day of class. Like when when a teacher opens up to you like that, you know it's, I you know it's you know it's big. You know that that relationship has become really important, and I love that this establishes that connection with these girls. Teacher Emma is the best version of Emma, and yes. I wish we were to see more of that. I really do. Like, uh, in recent comics, uh, in New Mutants, uh, spoilers if you are a little bit behind on that. Uh, but we find out that the X-Men just don't have a school anymore. All the students teach each other. <laughs> it's the worst. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be very real. I've taught myself how to play guitar once, and it went poorly because <laughs> I didn't know how to play guitar. I was a bad teacher. I got there, but it took time. 
I cannot imagine this, this, with Emma. <laughs> Emma not stopping and saying, what are you guys doing? This isn't how education works. Right? I mean, we've seen some pretty decent teachers out of the, the X-Men that it makes it a little tough to think nobody stepped in and was like, hey, maybe, maybe a bit more structure. Maybe we don't just throw the mutant children into frat houses and say, you know, go play and learn together. You say that, but that does sound like a more fun comic. Uh, I mean, I guess that, I guess? Is it effective school? No. Is it a fun comic? Probably. This is just all those hours of studying for the Praxis stuff coming coming right at you, isn't it? Coming right out here. I didn't study for the Praxis. Oh, and now the truth comes out. I don't think it was hard. Uh. (laughs) That's good. That's good. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Now now that we now that we have sufficiently embarrassed Christy for being the teacher's pet, uh, we should probably rank this story, shouldn't we? Uh, Yeah, let's go ahead and rank it. We have three hundred and twelve stories on this list. The number one story is Dark Phoenix Saga. Number 100 is All New Dupe. Number 200 is Fane Lake's Covenant Final Sanction. Uh, number 300 is Eve of Destruction. And 312, The Draco, which I don't like. Uh, Christy, I'm going to I'm gonna throw this first one to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think it's better than All New Dupe, but I, I'm curious how you feel about it compared to Fane Lake's Covenant Final Sanction. Um, gosh, that's really interesting because those are two very tonally different stories. This is oh, absolutely like you know, Final Sanction is so action packed, and this is like just this kind of quiet, soft story that gives you a lot of interesting character background. It's really not much of a Christmas story, um, but I don't know that the story itself really suffers as a result of that. Mm-hmm. Um. And hmm, I, I think I would maybe put it below Final Sanction. Um, okay. Uh, some of the some of the pencils on this were kind of odd for me. Um, not not a huge fan of some of the faces, so I think I, that would move it below Final Sanction for me. Well, I think that's that's fair. We have a couple of other Generation X stories right around this spot as okay. well. Okay. Uh, Gen X 8 and 9, which is what happened to Cassidy Keefe, where they go to Leprechaun Town, <laughs> and Generation X not, or 10 and 11, where uh, Chamber fights Omega Red. And I feel like this is on par with both of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, right below Death Whale is Uncanny X-Men Quarantine, that's uh, at number 206, and I think this is better than that. Uh, I know you've read a, a good chunk of the early Gen X stuff. Mm-hmm. Have you read that uh, Omega Red story? Um, I think I'm right about there. I Bacala's art in the early stuff, I think, is definitely better than the art than we saw in this. It, it's actually, it was kind of sad reading this story and having it not be him. Uh, I think that about every story, Christy. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I'm like, oh, we get, we get 
a break in his art for one issue. <laughs> um, to be fair, I, I generally like Rick Leonardi, but mm-hmm. I don't think that the colors really help out uh, mm-hmm. his art here at all. He, he's always worked better as a flats guy, and this is early digital coloring, mm-hmm. uh, which really made a lot of guys suffer. They just didn't know how to run with it. So I think it's I think that's a fair point. But I think that makes it slide right under that as our new number 206. All right. Uh, Generation X24, home for the holidays. Uh, now we're going to get more Christmassy, guys. Yeah. I forgot how not Christmassy that is, but we have to go through every Generation X Christmas special mm-hmm. on this podcast. <laughs> that's that's a law. Uh, this one is definitely the most Christmassy of all of them, which I guess it should be because it's like a holiday special. It's like standalone, different writer, artists, everything. So it feels yeah, very separate is... than the rest of the run. It is very separate from the rest <laughs> of the run. I don't fully know where this uh, chunks in, but uh, it's it's just a it's just a fun story called Yes Jubilee. There is a Santa Claus. This is the Generation X holiday special number one, written by Joseph Harris. Uh, with art by Adam Polina. Uh, are you a big Adam Polina person? Um, I wouldn't say especially. Okay, I like his X-Force stuff. I know that, like, Gen 13 and some other stuff people have a lot of feelings about him for. Uh, and that's fine, but he's not my fave. Mm-hmm. Uh, all things considered. Uh, but, Christy, what happens in this very uh, Christmassy uh, story? Uh, so we have, once again, we have a mall. Um... But in a little it bit, it was of, the nineties, <laughs> and a little bit of uh, Christmas shopping. But we have some uh, orphan maker and nanny shenanigans. And are, are you talking about upcoming X Men characters, orphan maker and nanny? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and we also get to meet Santa Claus, who we find out is a mutant. Uh, we have found out that Santa Claus is a mutant. Thank you very much. It is already on this list. It's called A Miracle a Few Blocks Down from 34th Street. Oh, he okay. accidentally caused the Dark Phoenix Saga. <laughs> and that's canon. All right. All right. So this just reconfirms the knowledge that Santa Claus is a mutant. It reminds us of that very important fact that Santa Claus does have a gateway to Krakoa on the North Pole. They understand why he can't come to the island, and they don't want to mess with him, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. which is perfectly fair. Moira knew about him in the past and said, well, this is an Omega-level mutant that we could uh, get into. <laughs> Oddly enough, his abilities really only kick in one night of the year, uh, but it's beautiful when it does happen. Uh, so we're just going to leave St. Nicholas uh we're going to leave him out of these Krakoa schemes and let him bring joy uh, to the hearts and minds of all the good little girls and boys. Yeah. Yeah. It makes you wonder if the uh, children on Krakoa are going to get a little something extra. You know what? I don't want to say Santa shows favoritism, but Santa super shows favoritism. <laughs> uh, so he's going to try and do that. He's got a naughty list, a nice list, and a mutant list. Yeah, I mean, look, if you're a mutant, you, you you are above good and evil at this point, <laughs> so that makes sense. Uh, but Nanny and Orphan Maker in uh, this this story, they're, they're delightful, but it also just makes me think, this is my first Nanny and Orphan Maker uh, is it? story. Yes. And they're I, wild. I'm just like, they're, they're going to be on a team we're supposed to like? 
I hold on. You're making assumptions about this team of the <laughs> New Hellions okay. that we're supposed to like them. Uh, I mean, I think we're supposed to enjoy reading about them. Okay, and maybe like havoc. All right, all right. Okay, I can. That makes that makes more sense. But they're they're a lot of fun here. They're they're this pair. They are the kind of villains that I really enjoy. Somewhat incapable and hilarious to read. Yeah, Orphan Maker uh, is told that instead of getting all of his Christmas stuff or before that he can celebrate Christmas because he is a child in a large mech suit. <laughs> uh, Nanny Maker, who is a we presume older mutant woman in an egg suit. Yeah. Uh, does tell him that he has to make some orphans and bring mutants to her uh, mm-hmm. this Christmas Eve. So he goes to do that, uh, but he does get foiled by Jubilation Lee. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, when he tries to orphan the wrong child that is not a mutant. <laughs> unfortunately, the <laughs> mutant child, uh, the mutant child's having a nice of his own night of his own. He's again. There, there's a third category on the list uh, of naughty and nice for mutants. They're the mutant list. Uh, if it was a binary, he would be farther away from the nice list. Let's say that. I, I feel a little sympathetic for him. He, he's just this picked on kid who's, you know, starting to go through his his change. <laughs> <laughs> starting to manifest his powers and it's weird and he doesn't like it and he just wants Santa to make it all stop. Yeah, he does kidnap the Santa Claus though. Not and I've watched Not really. I've watched a feature film about that where three small children kidnap the Santa Claus. <laughs> uh my son was obsessed with it last year. Those were not the good kids. Santa lets himself be kidnapped. Of course, because he is a very understanding Omega Double Mutant. Because <laughs> he's awesome. Santa's awesome. He knew just what little Matthew needed, which was Jubilation Lee. Well, what's even better <laughs> is when Santa Claus is confronted by the Orphan Maker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Santa Claus calls him by his name, Peter. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Peter, you don't have to be a naughty kid. You can be a nice kid. It's okay. I'm Santa Claus. I'm really great. Yeah. Oh. It's uh, it's charming. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually, the problem gets solved. Santa Claus is a little delayed, but he is going to uh, go save everything. He has a touching moment on his roof with Dasher Dancer, Prancer Vixen, Comet Cupid, Donner and Blitzen, and Jubilee. Mm-hmm. Uh, where he reads Jubilee a letter she sent a long time ago. Doesn't even read it, just recites it verbatim from memory. Because Santa is good. Yeah. Oh, uh, so touching. The, the letter. Oh, my goodness. It's very good. It's from Jubilee's first Christmas after her parents died. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just, it's very touching. Yeah. Because uh, she's upset, and Santa Claus knows that, but he can't bring kids back from the dead, or parents back from the dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he can't really fix that. That's not in his overall. He's not one of the five. <laughs> yeah. But it's a, it's a good moment. Mm-hmm. They have a Christmas at the uh, at the Massachusetts Academy. All of the kids are happy. There's some touching moments uh, with Nanny and Orphan Maker, and with all of the uh, all of the Generation X kids doing their Christmassy things. It's just it's a fun little issue. Yeah, 
It really is. Uh, th- we even have like a total 90s Christmas movie style narrator uh, that it, throughout the issue that just really brought me back to my childhood. I don't know if it gave you the same feeling, uh, but I felt like I could just I could just hear that. I, I have no idea who did those voiceover, all of those voiceovers in those 90s Christmas movies, but that was what played in my head. And it was it just screamed Christmas. Yeah, the only voiceovers I know are the voiceovers from the uh, Ralph Bakshi, uh, what is it, the animated ones, the mm-hmm. claymation yeah, Christmas movies. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, which my son, my, my, my oldest son, has seen one of those and now does take to singing the Heat Miser and Snow Miser song as much as he can. Oh, that's great. Oh. It's very good. He's my own little Moppet and I do cherish him. Uh, much like I cherish this story, it's a good one. I love seeing Santa Claus in comics. I love seeing Santa Claus do good things. Uh, I will say that this may not be the most engaging narrative mm-hmm. of all time. Right. It, it like, It's definitely the best Christmas story of the three that we read, but it is just kind of its own little self-contained story that's that's fun and sweet and doesn't really impact much else. I will say this might be my favorite uh, Orphan Maker appearance. He's great in this. He's he's kind of the star of the show because he, he's just a boy conflicted on Christmas. Yeah, it's really sweet. <laughs> um, so are we are we moving into to ranking this, deciding where this belongs? I think we are moving into ranking this, into deciding where this belongs. Uh, How did you feel about it compared to Home for the Holidays, Generation X 24? Not just as a Christmas story, but as a story in general. Um, it was a really, this is, you're, you're asking really hard questions, Zach. I, questions that I was very prepared for. That is what we're here for. I feel like if there was a story that I was going to go back and reread again, that it would probably be this holiday special over Home for the Holidays. Okay. I just, I feel like it's just fun. I, I don't know. I And maybe that's why I would return to it. Or I just feel like this is something that you'd want to go and read like every Christmas. Whereas, I don't know. I don't know that I would feel that, that pull for Home for the Holidays. Do you, I think... Is that I off think base? That's fair. Yeah. No, I think I think that's fair. I don't think we're too far away from the truth of the matter, though. Mm-hmm. I think we're in the right neighborhood still, because uh, like at one ninety three, a handful of spots above it is the backup from Special Edition X Men number one, where Ileana and Kitty take a tour of the mansion, uh, which is a superfluous story, but I like it more than this. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh. I'm trying to think. Uh, do you like this better than Final Sanction? Um, Again, yeah. very different stories, but I know you've covered that on your podcast. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes, I do. Um, I think it's about on par with uh, Marvel Comics Presents uh, Colossus God's Country, where Colossus has feelings about America and communism. Okay. Uh, he does, too. Uh, it's, Christy, that's a wild story. <laughs> that's That's got Colossus waxing poetically about how things weren't like this in my country, but my country was still real problematic. <laughs> oh. Uh, 
I do think it's better than uh, Uncanny X Men. 341 to 344, another Christmas story, actually, oh, where okay. Cannonball fights the gladiator on Christmas. Uh, so I think it can actually go right in between that and God's Country. Sounds good. Yeah, it'll be our new number 198 uh, Generation X holiday special. All right. Yes, Jubilee. There is a Santa Claus. Speaking of Santa Claus, somehow last night I ended up watching an episode of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood from 1972. Aww. Uh yeah, right. We just found out that Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood was on, like, Amazon or something. We were like, let's find an episode. And I'm just flipping through at random, and then there's a Christmas ro- one. Oh. It's, one, everyone always forgets just how good Fred Rogers was. I don't forget that. He's uh, amazing. <laughs> he is amazing. Uh, it was wild to see him. His, his version of Santa Claus is very interesting mm-hmm. in that he talks to a kid about the nice list and the naughty list. And the kid, in this case, is a tiger named Daniel Tiger. You know him, Daniel Striped Tiger. Yes, I he do. He has his own neighborhood TV show now. <laughs> He's part of the Mr. Rogers Expanded Universe. <laughs> oh. It was weird explaining to my toddler that uh, that cartoon that he watches is actually this thing from the 60s. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He explains to Daniel Tiger, who's afraid because Santa Claus sees him when he's sleeping and knows when he's awake. Uh, Santa Claus says... Don't have anxiety about Christmas, kid. Sometimes kids are good. Sometimes kids are bad. I get that. But I'm not spying on you. That'd be wild. Oh. Why would you do that? <laughs> it was like, oh, he's caring about children having anxiety. And I can relate to Fred Rogers on this one. Man. How how it's- would he have felt about Elf on the Shelf? Uh, Fred Rogers would... <laughs> Hate Elf on the Shelf as I do. Yeah, we uh, we don't have an elf in this house. No, Elf on the mm. Shelf normalizes the police state, and Fred Rogers would not stand for that. Exactly. Okay, I'm glad <laughs> that is that. Now it now that is record. The world shall know. Fred Rogers, Mister Rogers, would not have an Elf on the Shelf or approve of yours. I do not have an elf on the shelf, but if others do, others do, just know Mr. Rogers is looking down on you in shame. Except he's not, because he's respecting your privacy. He is. He will not see you when you're sleeping. Or know when you're awake. He's got better things to do. Being Mr. Rogers and all that. In the in the great uh, uh, neighborhood of, make, or kingdom of make-believe in the sky. Uh <laughs> Okay, okay, Mr. Rogers' neighborhood <laughs> court is done. Uh, perfect. That Look, that was very good episode title fodder, I'll tell you that much. There we go. That's what I'm All here right. for. <laughs> oh. Now, Christy, our last story today comes again from Generation X, just a couple of years later. Mm-hmm. And have you ever heard about Christmas cheer? That, that elusive feeling that you're supposed to have with goodwill towards your fellow man? Yeah, 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 maybe once or twice. Well, Generation X is going to introduce you to Christmas Fear. (laughs) I love that title. (laughs) It's very good. Uh, This is written by Jay Fraber with pencils by Terry Dodson and Kevin Sharp. Uh, this This is a Christmas story in that it's Christmas time and it's snowy. Uh, right. And but then also not. Right. It, I mean, it's also in 
important that all of the non-mutants are home for the holidays, since at this point, right, Massachusetts Academy is is open to everybody, and the mutants are secretly mutants there. Yeah, uh, it was a whole thing because Emma Frost ran out of money, so she went to her sister Adriana Frost for money, and Adriana was like, fine, but I'm going to do secret things <laughs> and schemes around this, uh, which she did, and it ended up with some kids blowing up. It was a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, though we start with another one of Emma's sisters, mm-hmm. that is, of course, Cordelia Frost, her younger sister, who's troubled. Yeah. I mean, as some sisters are. As, as, <laughs> as some sisters are, yes. Uh, Cordelia, as you may know, uh, did try and get into the Hellfire Club's inner circle. Uh, she traded Mondo to them. It was a whole thing. And then Mondo escaped and joined Generation X. And then the episode or the issue after uh, the issue we talked about at the top of this episode, uh, Generation X 24, mm-hmm. uh Mondo then betrays his team, and Black Tom Cassidy does this whole thing. But it's not really Mondo. Uh, no, uh, as we find out now, it was actually a clone of Mondo. Which, do you, do, do you hate that? I don't, it was a clone I, the whole time? Here's what I hate. In order of things I hate. Mm-hmm. One, I hate that Mondo betrayed his team okay. because he shows no sign in that entire run of being anything but a good dude who can, like, absorb matter. Mm-hmm. Two, I hate that, that he dies and is like, actually, that Mondo you were friends with was a clone, and I'm super evil. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's not good. It's not it's not I'm glad that I'm glad that the Mondo we have now in comics has decided to ignore all of that <laughs> and just be a cool guy. Uh, I I'm just I'm never really a fan of a psych. It wasn't really wasn't really me the whole time. I I don't know. I, I'm just not a fan of the those sort of gotcha storylines. The whole storyline here is that Cordelia comes to uh the Massachusetts Academy begging Emma to find it in her cold heart to help her out because she's being chased by Mondo and the Juggernaut and Black Tom Cassidy. And let me tell you, Juggernaut saying ho 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 might be one of my favorite parts of this story. <laughs> it's very good. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of villainous duos uh we're talking Aunt nanny and orphan maker yeah. we're talking black tom and the juggernaut mm-hmm. those are those are the kind of relationships that i love i love trash people who <laughs> yes. are trash together they just want to be garbage friends or boyfriends or whatever black tom and juggernaut have going on i'm not going to judge uh i just want them to be happy doing their crimes yeah and they they really seem like they have a very beautiful friendship here and uh gosh black tom and, and this comes right after we've found out that black tom has raised uh sean cassidy's daughter correct and no we've we've known we've that known that for a while too. okay yeah this is this comes after uh this comes right after siren was uh brutalized in an issue of x-force and she lost the use of her vocal cords oh okay 
which is why uh which is why Banshee goes to visit her. Okay. Uh he comes back to fight his cousin uh because he always comes back to fight his cousin uh cuz again their family has a weird relationship. But then they just fight. Like the rest of the issue is just them fighting and talking about how Mondo betrayed them. Mhm. Uh and it's not Nothing really happens. It's a juggernaut fight. They take off his helmet, and then he has his smaller helmet on, and then they take off his smaller <laughs> helmet. Oh. And, okay. You are going to have to... At this point, we see we see Penance. We see Penny. Is this just, like, body of Penance here? It no longer has Nicole, Claudette, Monet, any of them in it? Okay. We'll talk about Penny for a second. Okay. <laughs> the first penance we see is Monet Saint Croix inside Penance's body, where Monet Saint Croix is two kids in a trench coat. Yes. I know that. That we all know. Mm-hmm. We are all aware that original flavor Monet is two kids in a trench coat. Mm-hmm. From there, Monet gets pulled out of Penance and into her regular body. Mm-hmm. The two kids in a trench coat get put into Penance. Yes. It's weird, and eventually, I'm pretty sure off-panel, the two kids in the trench coat get taken out of penance, mm-hmm. and uh, they go back to Monaco or whatever, mm-hmm. and then Monet is around, and penance is around, and they treat penance like she's a character from the beginning of the run where she didn't have all this complexity, and she was just this mystery person. Okay, yeah. That's that's what I thought. It's Then... Okay. There's a then here. Okay. Uh, Christy, are you ready? Are you ready to pivot into New Warriors territory? Sure. <laughs> then, uh, Speedball, you you know about Speedball from the New Warriors? He's the bouncy boy. Uh huh. Speedball uh, was involved in this thing called uh, the Stanford incident in Civil War. Okay. Where he. Uh, a villain named Nitro blew up and killed a bunch of kids, and also killed what's a lot of with, the new warriors. What's with blowing up kids, I don't know, man. Look, civil war is a whole thing. Okay, it, it really is. So he blows up a bunch of these kids, mm-hmm. and then Speedball decides to go by the name Penance for a while and wears a suit that's like an Iron Maiden a bodysuit that always stabs him, so he can always feel pain and feel a penance for what he did. <laughs> no. no. I am being very true about this. This happened, and we wrote about it in comics. Oh. It's so bad. But, at the same time, another group called the Loners mm-hmm. uh, found the body husk of Penance and named him, named it Hollow. And mm-hmm. Hollow just hung out with them for a while in a plot line that went absolutely nowhere. Mm-hmm. Now. now Penance is, is back, right? We've seen her on yes. Krakoa. Now? Well. It, uh, now Monet Sinqua. <laughs> okay. M. M. Yes. M. Is going by Penance. Okay. She looks like regular M. But can also transform into penance. Oh, yeah. Okay. And also, uh, Claudette and Nicole are there on Krakoa. Mm-hmm. They are the twins. Yes. 
They can also apparently transform into a penance. To two small penances that Monet has to chase around the island. Okay. <laughs> There's a big thing wanting thing two energy to these children. Uh, only in comics. Oh. Every, everyone likes to talk about the Summers family tree. No one wants to talk about the St. Croix family tree. The St. Croix family tree is the wildest thing in the world, and I do love it so much. All right. So we have very, I mean, we have very little in terms of developing the Pendant's storyline in this, but I really just needed that, that illuminated. Um, I feel like the more People... I learn about Pendant's, the less I know. Yeah, I... <laughs> I've read every appearance of a penance in some way or another, except for the speedball ones, because ain't nobody reading that. I've got the (laughs) gist of it. He called himself a bad name. Oh, my gosh. Wait, hold on. I've got one more thing. Okay. (laughs) So, you know, you know, speedball, right? Robbie Baldwin. uh, Yeah. The the new warrior. The bouncy boy. Mm -hmm. You know, he has a cat, right? Mm Hmm. No, I did You may not know that he has a cat. Okay. He has a cat. All right. Uh, his cat's name is... Um, hold on. I have to find his cat's name. Hold on. Cat. I'm searching his... I'm searching his Marvel Wiki. His cat's name is Niels. He, he went by Bouncing Cat for a while. Okay. Uh, however, when... When when Robbie Baldwin did go by penance, uh-huh. Speedball, uh Speedball was upset and his cat Nails decided to also change his name and wear a uh The cat decided to change his name? Yes, the okay. cat also Bouncing Cat did decide to change its name. And Bouncing Cat decided to go uh by the name P Cat, the <laughs> penitent puss. <laughs> No. I have sent you I have sent you an image of the cat. <laughs> oh, I'm crying. My favorite thing to do is to curse people with this knowledge. Squirrel Girl is in this panel, so I have to assume that the people doing it knew that oh penance is a bad idea for speedball. Let's take it to the next level then. <laughs> That little, that poor little cat with the the legs just sticking out. Oh no! It's it's like it's like we three, but sadder. It's a it's a cat in an Iron Maiden. Oh, Uh, and it it stabs the cat all the time so that it can bounce. Zach, why did you do this to me? (laughs) I did nothing. I didn't have to know about this. Mark Millar did stuff. (laughs) I did nothing. Uh, oh. Anyway, none of that has anything to do with this story because this story is really just a big fight scene in the snow. The Terry Dodson art's okay, but he jumps off the next issue, right? Uh, so the art in sixty one's not as good. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. is there anything that happens in this story? Um, anything worth actually talking about? Um, it's not worth talking about, but we do need to mention the vampire storyline. Okay. Yes. So. Y'all, y'all who are listening to this may remember that we, at one point, did talk about a story 
Uh, it's Uncanny, or not Uncanny, excuse me. It's Generation X number 62, mm-hmm. uh, titled, or 63, excuse me, titled Monet Vampire Hunter. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it's the story where Monet's a vampire hunter uh, because the principal of her high school, uh, it is 62. What am I talking about? I may have changed that on the list. Did I do it wrong all of these years? Oh, no. Making a note to change that right now. Okay, so. Uh, Monet does a Buffy in that one. Uh-huh. It fe- That's all. It's weird. It's a weird story. I. It felt real. I'm Just in these two issues, just those little scenes felt so disconnected from everything else. And it's just weird. I don't know. I, I did not see that coming at all. Oh, no, that, that storyline is buck wild. Monet went to a private school for a little bit uh, away from the Massachusetts Academy uh-huh. where her principal was a vampire. Yeah. That's all. <laughs> it, you can go back to the episode where we talked about it, people. I think it was last year's Halloween one. Mm. I think it was the 2018 Halloween Spectacular. Mm-hmm. Uh, go check that one out. Uh, it's wild, Christy. Mm. Not very good. I will say I'm gonna I'm gonna make a strong statement right here. This issue is better than Monet Vampire Hunter. <laughs> uh, given the bits of the vampire storyline we have in these two issues, yes, I would I would probably agree with that. It's very reflective of that, so it's gonna be higher than two thirty seven. Uh, I don't think this is as good as Home for the Holidays. Do you? Um, no, no. Uh, yeah, I didn't think so. Um. I mean, I knew you'd come around to this logic. It's it's fun, punchy. We get Juggernaut saying "ho ho ho," fun villainy in here. But uh, I think I like the the quiet, I don't know, relationship building issue over the punchy issue with vampires. I think that's absolutely right. Uh, I'm looking about where it, where we would go with this. A few spots up is Uncanny X Men X Core which we talked about a couple of weeks ago, and I think that is better than this, even though that that story has some problems. Okay. That's a better Banshee story than this. Mm. Uh, I'm trying to think, is this better or worse than the Cullen Bun Uncanny X-Men, the first arc of that? Hmm. I am going to say, because that has Greg Land art and this has Terry Dodson art, Mm -hmm. That this would slide right above it. I do like that Terry Dodson art, even though he makes uh, skin look hunky. Look, skin can tighten up his skin sometimes <laughs> and be a hunk. Why don't we? Why don't we let skin be a hunk? Uh, I mean, you know, everybody gets to grow up sometime, I guess. <laughs> they do. They do. Uh, and skins is when Terry Dodson draws him as a hunky boy. Uh, but no, I agree. This can be our new number 235, uh, Christmas Fear. All right. Uh, and that's that's three stories. That is that's three stories. Whole, that's this whole episode. And it was a lot of fun. Uh, Christy, you were great. Where can people find you if they want more of you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Christy Edelman. Uh, I also have a podcast that I co-host with my husband, Chris Edelman. Uh, Chris's on Infinite Earths, and we are at Chris's Pod on Twitter. And you can also find me over at XavierFiles.com um, working on Mareeders currently and... 
uh, in the the future. We'll also be writing Captain C's, uh, covering Captain Marvel. Uh, yeah. By the way, guys, a quick plug for Chris's on Infinite Earths. Uh, I love it. Chris's Chris's pod is one of my favorites. Chris and Christy are an absolutely delightful set of hosts. Aw, thank and you, they Zach. Cover... You, you guys are. You... Full, full disclosure, they are my friends, but that shouldn't stop <laughs> my recommendation. I do think it's great, and I think it's one of the most underappreciated podcasts covering comics that we have. And more of you, if you like this content, should go over to there and check it out. It's great. I've been on it uh, before. Mm -hmm. A friend of the show, Charlie Davis, has been on it several times. Mm -hmm. uh, a friend of the show, Chris Edelman. And I guess now now that you're officially on it, uh, since we missed you at C2E2, a friend of the show, Christy Edelman, hosted. it. So y'all <laughs> should check it out. Yeah. Thank you, Zach. We didn't. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's a good show, and we like it. Uh, that said, if you like this particular podcast, uh, you can go over to Patreon.com, give us a little Christmas present. Uh, we'll do a whole episode based around you and one of your uh, suggestions. Uh, they're a lot of fun. We are revamping the Patreon soon, and I keep saying that so it forces me to actually sit down and put pen to paper about how I'm specifically going to revamp it. So y'all need to hold me to that. Uh but that's coming soon. Also, like Christy mentioned, uh, and I guess we haven't mentioned this on the show yet, uh, the Xavier Files media empire is expanding uh, to cover things that aren't X-Men. Did you know there's other comic books out there, Christy? I am well aware, given uh, Chris's pod rotates through X-Men than other Marvel titles than DC. But yeah. The three types of comic books <laughs> that there are. There are X-Men's, Marvel's, <laughs> and DC's. And then the, the independent stuff that I always feel guilty for not reading more of. Eh, everyone feels guilty about that. You're not alone. Okay. <laughs> All, here's, the, here's the dirty truth. And this is going to be true of pretty much anyone who listens to this podcast, Christy. Mm -hmm. All of us definitely know that there's better comics to read. <laughs> but there's also trash 90s X-Men to read. <laughs> and it's bad and I love it. Oh. You know, if there um, if there weren't people who thought that, then this podcast probably would not be quite as successful. I I mean, look, <laughs> I hope so. Though though, on that note, we are we are expanding to the Marvel files. Mm -hmm. This is a sub brand uh, where we're going to be covering different Marvel stories. Uh, to start, we've picked four titles. Uh, like uh, Christy mentioned, there is going to be coverage of Captain Marvel mm -hmm. uh, that she's going to be helping head up. Uh, stuff about the new Thor and Guardians of the Galaxy series, and everyone's favorite book, Immortal Hulk, where Hulk does a body horror. <laughs> uh, Chris Edelman, uh, Christy's husband, is going to be uh, leading up that effort because I've got too much on my plate, and I'm really excited. That starts this January. Mm -hmm. I actually think the week you listen to it, we'll do the... F it it's Christmas week, and for some reason we decided to start with incoming. <laughs> yep. Uh, just because we hate ourselves. Uh, but then in January proper, we are going to be uh, kicking off the real coverage. It's going to be a fun addition to the other X-Men coverage we've been doing. Uh, kind of the same format. Uh, some of the same writers in different pairings. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and a new writer in here with Kat. Uh, so it's going to be exciting. I'm looking forward to it. And I'm looking forward to uh, this Christmas. Christy, do you think we sufficiently celebrated Christy-miss? Uh, 
I think it was I think it was pretty good, but I feel like we're still missing a little bit of something. You know what? I agree. What would what would uh, Christy miss be without song? I I think that's it. I think that's what we're missing. Well, dear listeners, as has wildly turned out to be a tradition, uh, here's your here's your holiday song. Happy holidays, uh, whatever you celebrate, or if you don't celebrate at all, thank you for being part of another wonderful year with us here at Bow the Atom. So glad you survived the experience. Cyclops kissing Emma Frost Underneath the mistletoe last night He didn't hear me creep Down the stairs to have a peep Well he thought that I was tucked up in my bedroom fast asleep Well then I Cyclops tickle Emma Frost Underneath her cave so snow where white What a laugh it would have been If Ms. Grey had only seen Cyclops kissing Emma Frost last night Although we know there's two sides to this story What else happened that night? I saw Jean Grey kissing Emma Frost Underneath the mistletoe last night She didn't see me creep Down the stairs to have a peep She thought that I was tucked up Room fast asleep. Then I saw Jean Grey tickle Emma Frost underneath her cape, so snowy white. What a laugh it would have been if Cyclops had only seen Jean Grey kissing Emma Frost. Last night